Some things only God can do. In the bottom of the pit where his brothers threw him, Joseph saw God's divine guidance and care, his providence. When Joseph was sold to Potiphar as a slave, then thrown into prison, God was already working for his good. When dreams made the Pharaoh restless, God put Joseph in front of him. When all hope seemed lost, God redeemed Joseph's story for his good and his glory. There is only one who can do any of this. Only God. I heard what Brian said in his prayer. He called you spiritual fatheads. Is that what he said? <laughs> Obese Christians. Um, that was pretty good. I like that. Anyway, um, hey, listen, we're glad that you're here with us today. Isn't it a great day? It's an awesome day. Yes, you can clap. It, today is the day of the Lord. It is his day, and we're glad to be here in this place. You may, this may be your first time with us. This may be you've been visiting with us for quite some time, or you may be part of our heritage family and have been here for a long period of time. We're just, we're glad that you're here and you've chosen to be in this place today. We've been in a series talking about the character of Joseph, and we've learned a lot about Joseph. To bring you up to date, for those of you that are new, we've learned that that, uh, that Joseph has had some pretty good, he's had some pretty tough times. Joseph was a favored of his father who had 12 sons. He, even though he was favored by his father, his brothers hated him, hated him so much to the point that they wanted to get rid of him and kill him. They threw him in a cistern instead of uh, killing him. He was sold as a slave, ended up in, in Egypt under Potiphar's in his house. And it wasn't long after that that Potiphar's wife decided she was going to seduce him and, um, but, but Joseph said, no, he said, I'm not going to go down that road. He said, I, I will not sin against my master and I will not sin against the Lord. Um, he ended up in prison and that was where we ended up our story last week. And we're going to start today in Genesis 40 as we pick up the story where we left off last week. Um, and as you are turning there, let me pray. Jesus, this is your time. And over these next few minutes, may we hear your voice in the midst of this discussion that we have about your word. Um, Father, I'm praying that these words that are spoken, that have been written to us, that the Holy Spirit would do surgery upon our hearts. There's something here for, for every one of us that we can take away. Help us to be challenged. Help us to be encouraged. Um, and that's what I pray today in Christ's name. Amen. So we left off with Joseph in prison. If you'd pick up with me in Genesis chapter 40, that's where we're going to pick up today. So the scripture reads, Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and, they put, and he put them in prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. So in our passage of scripture today, we have a couple of new characters that have to, happen to show up on the scene uh, in the story of Joseph, one of them was the chief cupbearer. The other was the chief baker. Both of these guys served up underneath Pharaoh. They were on his leadership team. Um, one was responsible for the food that Pharaoh consumed, the baker. The other was responsible for the drink that he consumed. Uh, both of them would have been responsible for, for others up underneath them, hence the word chief. 
Um, the positions that they would, they would have held would have been a very important position and it would have been a very trusted position. The people that you had in these positions, uh, you wanted to make sure that you trusted them. And both of these guys were thrown in prison by Pharaoh in the place that Joseph was being held. And the text doesn't tell us exactly why Pharaoh threw him into prison, but there's a little bit of an understanding, a thought process that obviously there must have been something that had happened um, some kind of a plot that was going on to, to maybe kill Pharaoh and not knowing exactly who might have been behind it. He just puts both of them in prison. And this is what it says in verse 4. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after him. Now remember that Joseph had been put in prison. He had been there for quite some time. He finds himself now in the same prison that we have uh, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker that had been placed in. Um, and over this time, the same thing happened. I mean, here's Joseph living a life, a faithful life. He was a trusted individual, and as a, response, and as a result of that, he was given some extra responsibilities. And one of the responsibilities that he was given at this time was to look after, to care for uh, the cupbearer and the baker. Some translations are say here um, that he attended to them or he served them. It's very important. Because when we think about leadership, we always think about positional leadership. We think about from the top down. We think about power. We think, we think about authority. We think about position. But in God's economy, leadership doesn't necessarily mean position, but it means service. Are you with me? Excuse me? Yes, yes that's good. It means service. It means sacrifice. And here's Joseph in a position of authority under the warden, now given the responsibility to look after these two guys, these prisoners, the cupbearer and the baker. And look at what he goes on to say there in verse 5. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream. So they have a dream one night. And each had a dream and it's had its own meeting. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. And the question was asked, why do you look so worried today? Why do you guys look so sad? Why do you look so worried? What's going on? And so you got these two guys, maybe they say they shared the same cell, maybe they didn't share the same cell, but for whatever the reason, they had a dream. Both of them had dreams, and one of them says, listen, man, I had a dream. The other guy says, well, look, I had a dream too. But these weren't necessarily good dreams, but these were the type of dreams that when you wake up, you're not necessarily rested, but you're sort of exhausted. Are you with me? They're the dreams that you have in life, Sean, when you wake up and man, you're just excited. That was a great dream. I want to go back and finish it. But then there are those dreams that we have. We're just overwhelmed. Do you understand? Yes. You've had that kind of, yeah. Yes. You've had those situations. I understand that. Well, this is a situation where the dream, they wake up and they have been like, they've been wrestling with an alligator all night long. They're exhausted, so much so that when Joseph saw him, he said, man, he said, guys, what's wrong with y'all? What's the problem? What's, what's, what, you know, what, why are you so downcast? What are you so worried about today? In other words, there was something about their countenance, there was something about their demeanor that caused Joseph to ask the question, what's going on? What's taking place? You know what? And here we have an indication about Joseph's compassion and how he cared for other people, which I think is a God quality, don't you? You know, for those of us that are believers, one of the qualities, one of the characteristics, Rob, that we should care, carry in, in all of our lives is compassion and care for other people. And here we see it exemplified. We see it exhibited in the life of Joseph. 
We get a little bit of a glimpse of the character, of his character. And I, I think that we all could agree, going back and looking to this point at all the problems and all the issues that Joseph himself had faced, Joseph had enough of his own issues. I mean, this is the guy that had been betrayed, he had been mistreated, he had been wrong, but instead of putting all the attention on him and, say, and saying in the focus on his problems, he didn't do that, but he was aware of those around him. And let me tell you what walking through struggles and difficulties does. When you walk through those difficult times, it makes us a very, very aware of others around us and the struggles and the, and the um, difficulties that they may be walking through. I, I remember specifically a time in my life when I was walking through a dark place and I felt like God was trying to teach me something in that place. But I remember out of that becoming very aware and very sensitive to other people that were around me. Does that make sense? I mean, it's like I could walk into a room and I could sense the pain and I could sense the struggle. And so here it is. Um, we, we see Joseph demonstrating care and compassion. And these are some of the same qualities that we see in the life of Jesus himself, who came from heaven to earth in the flesh, and, and he would experience the life difficulties and temptations, and eventually he would suffer for our sake. Um, but not once did Jesus ask for our pity. Not once, but instead he showed compassion and he showed love towards us. And that love, that compassion that Jesus showed is available to every one of us that are willing to receive it. And here we see the same characteristics of Jesus' love and care being demonstrated in the life of Joseph. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 8. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead, tell me your dreams. Um, and so these dreams had caused them to be troubled. These dreams had caused them to be anxious. But in the midst of that, there was also some questions that they had. There were some unknowns in reference to the dreams. What did they mean? And Joseph had his own experiences with dreams. If you go back to the beginning, you know, it was his dreams that he had and the sharing of those dreams that got him in trouble to begin with. But Joseph said, here, listen, the interpretations aren't from me, but they're from God. It's his business. And when we read the scriptures, we find many times in the, in the Bible, in God's word, where God spoke to people through dreams. Maybe it was the pagan ruler Abimelech. Maybe, maybe it was um, Jacob himself, Joseph's father. Maybe it was Jacob's father-in-law, Laban. It was Solomon. It was Joseph. It was others that in the scriptures that we find that God spoke to them in dreams. King Nebuchadnezzar, as well as many others. But I think it's really important to us to understand that just because we have a dream, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a revelation or a message from God because dreams can also be the result of a restless mind. You ever had a dream because you were just restless? You had something going on in your life and you, know, you, just, you just struggled? Ecclesiastes says this, too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. In other words, the dreams that we have may not necessarily be as a result of a message from the Lord, but they may be um, a result of the restlessness of our, of our minds. Um, but if you've ever had a dream, if you've ever had a dream like these guys that leaves you bothered and unsettled, it may be something that's bigger than indigestion, people. Um, I wish... I wish, I wish upon a star, da, 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 no, I don't know how that goes. 
But I wish that over the years that I would have been wise enough and smart enough and disciplined enough to write down the dreams that God has given me over the years. There's definitely a difference between restless dreams and those things that come from God that I feel like God is speaking. I remember one specifically after we started Heritage. I will always remember, um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just weeping because the question that I always asked was why? God, why? Why Heritage? Why plant, why plant another church? Why be? And I kept asking that question multiple times over and over and over. And, um, and anyway, I, I remember waking up one night and I was weeping and I was overwhelmed and I was just beside myself. And in my dream, I've shared this many years ago, in my dream there was, there was a place of desolation. It was like it had been set on fire and everything had been destroyed. And I remember that, that in that time, in the midst of that desolation, it was like being in a city. And there was, there was darkness and there was, um, there was ashes and there were smoldering things. And inside of that place of darkness, there was a little girl that was about the age of our daughter, Abby. And she was about seven years old and she was dressed in white and she had a, a white, she had a little doll that she had close to her and she was standing. I could only see the back of her, but I could see her. She was, she was like convulsing and she was crying. And I remember getting up to the back of her and, and she was saying to herself over and over, it's not what it seems. It's not what it seems. It's not what it seems. And I remember... And trying to, to say, God, what, are you, what is it you're trying to say? What is it you're trying to speak to me? And reflecting on that, I, I remember thinking to myself, how many times does that on the outside not represent that which is on the inside? That all of us have a picture. You know, we have Facebook. I was with somebody yesterday, and they called it, they called it fake, fake book. How many times in life do we want to portray a picture that's not necessarily true? or real, or authentic. And so here was this young girl, and in the midst of this, I felt like God was saying, I want heritage to be a place of authenticity where there's realness, and there's hope in the hopelessness, and in the places of discouragement that people knew that there, that, that there was a place, and in the place of confusion, that there was a place of, of hope. And, and that heritage was to be a place that pointed people towards hope, just not this this cloud that everything looks good, but it's authentic and it's real. And in that place, there's Jesus. And you go, well, Sid, well, that doesn't really make an awful lot of sense. Well, it did that day, that morning when I picked up somebody and I was driving with them that day. And as we were driving across the bridge in Lady Lake, they looked at me and they said, Sid, it's just not what it seems. It's not what it seems. This man was not a believer. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I have a, I have a brother who's a pastor. And, um, and I've watched his life over the years. And it's just not what it seems. And I thought to myself, there's a lot of confusion. There's, there's a lot of unknowns that are out on the outside the walls of the church. God wants us to be real. He wants us to be authentic. On the other hand, I've had those dreams where I'm chasing animals in the middle of the night. My wife has PTSD as a result of that, okay? <laughs> so there have been those times that I wake up and she's like going, Sid, 
see it. And there are those times that you're sort of in it and you're not in it. You're sort of, you know what I mean? You can sort of, you know what's going on, but you don't really know what's going on. It wasn't long ago. It wasn't long ago that I could hear Mary. I, I was just, I was there and she jumped out of the bed. She's like going, Sid, you're having another dream. Wake up. And she jumped out of the bed because I've hit her two or three times, you know, <laughs> reaching out. So the dream may not necessarily be a revelation from the Lord. It may not necessarily be a message from God. It could be because of restlessness or busyness. But the Bible also talks about the fact that false prophets use dreams to distort God's message and promote their own message. We go back and we find some examples of that in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 13. But even though people can deceive us with dreams, God can and will speak to us in dreams. Amen? Amen. Very much so. And if we want to look for the voice of God, what we do is we need to go back to his word because it's in his word that we find clarity. It's in his word that we find truth. It was Paul when writing in reference to Timothy said, all scripture is, is inspired by God and useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good word. We often say around here, God's word tells us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right and we can be assured of God's will and that it is confirmed by it's confirmed by the and supported by God's word having said that um let's go ahead and look and see what it says in reference to the cupbearer's dreams there in verse 9 so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dreams first in my dream he said I saw a grapevine in front of me the vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom and soon it produced a cluster of ripe grapes I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice in my cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hands. This is very interesting to me since just a couple of weeks ago, I spent an awful lot of time on the grapevines, cutting them back, getting them prepared for this year. And what we have is really here a cliff notes of what it's like from the beginning of the growing season all the way to the end of the harvest. And so in the cupbearer, in his dream, it includes a vine that has three branches that begin to bud and it begins to blossom. And it produces a cluster of grapes, which he ends up harvesting, squeezing those grapes um, to get the juice which he places in Pharaoh's cup. And so he tells Joseph, um, and so he tells Joseph, he tells him about his dream and this is what he says. This is what the dream means. So after telling him, Joseph now is going to interpret the dream, and this is what Joseph says. He says, three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. Stop. And then look at what he says in verse 14. By the way, when all that happens, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland in the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Huh. It's interesting. Talking first about the dream, Joseph said that the three branches would represent three days. Well, how in the world did he know that? Because God revealed it to Joseph. The three branches represented three days. The cupbearer would be out in three days. He would be out, and he would be back serving in Pharaoh's court during that period of time. What's interesting in this interpretation is that within three days, listen to this, it would take three days to determine whether or not the message of Joseph was true or not. Not three months, not three years, not three decades, but within three days, it would be determined whether the message that Joseph had spoken, 
His interpretation of the dream was real. It's very interesting. And he goes on to say that, by the way, when you get out, when you're restored, if you just do me a favor, in other words, how, just, how about putting in a good word for me? Have you ever found yourself in a place that you knew that God had put you, but it wasn't necessarily the most enjoyable place to be? Joseph knew. He knew that the Lord was with him. And Joseph wasn't saying, well, he wasn't saying, you know, God, I disagree with what. He's just saying, listen, I'm tired of being in here. And if it be God's will, listen, if you'll help me out, I'd really like to get out of here because this isn't the most enjoyable place to be. Mr. Cupbearer, since you're going to be released and restored within three days, you just might be my ticket out. So would you please be reminded to speak to Pharaoh on my behalf? But Joseph wasn't done. Look at what he says in reference to the, to the baker's dream. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, I mean, he's probably thinking, oh, yes, yes, what about my dream? I had a dream too, he said. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastry stacked on my head. That's a picture in itself. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and they ate them from the basket on your head. And this is what Joseph, how he responded in verse 18. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. Three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Well, isn't that what he wanted to hear? <laughs> so the baker's now thinking to himself, you know, what about me? What about, what about interpreting my dream? And when Joseph tells the baker what he has to say in reference to the baskets and the pastries and the, and the birds come and picking his flesh, um, Joseph is like, what does all this mean? And he begins to talk to him and tell him and, and reveal to him and interpret. And Joseph is probably thinking to himself, I don't really want to tell this guy what I, what I should tell him. I mean, I'd a whole lot rather tell him the good news instead of the bad news. I mean, buddy, I hate to tell you this, but the three baskets, the, just like the three branches, three days, just like, just like that. Three days, something is going to happen. And the three days, instead of though you being restored in three days, you're going to be sentenced to die and you're going to be impaled upon a pole and the birds are going to come and eat your flesh. And I want us to make note of this, that Joseph just, just wasn't faithful to share the dream of the cupbearer, but he was also willing to share the message to the baker as well. I don't know about you, but I like to bring good news, don't you? Don't you like to be the bearer of good news? I mean, who likes to bring the bad news? I mean, I'd rather tell you that everything's going to be okay. I'd rather tell you everything's going to be fine. I would rather tell you, hey, listen, man, no sweat. You're going to be restored in spite of all the stress and the difficulty you're going through. You just hang in there three more days, hang in there. But then there was the message of the baker. The message of the baker, hey, brother, um, you're guilty. You're guilty. And the consequences that you'll face are not just temporary, not just prison, but they're eternal. You're going to die. And as difficult as the message was, it was a message that needed to be proclaimed because it was truth. Are you with me? It was truth. And it's really important for us to hear this. It's really important for us to hear this message from somebody that is compassionate and somebody that is caring just like Joseph was. It's really important to hear this message 
from somebody that cares about you and isn't just out to get you? Have you ever had to look somebody in the face and say, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. God is love. God is love. Because God is also just. And there's going to come a time when God will punish sin. It's truth. It's real. There's no way getting around it. I was reading a story not long ago. This stand keeps going up and down and up and down and up and down. I was uh, reading a story not long ago about this guy that he went to work and uh, he was very faithful in going to work and, and wanting to live out his faith the best way that he knew how. He wore Christian t-shirts and, you know, he laid his Bible up on his workplace where he worked and he uh, played Christian music and he always tried to pray before, uh, before a meal. But he never engaged anybody in a conversation about Jesus. But that was he did was doing the best at what he thought to do as far as being on mission for, for Jesus. He, well, I'll just go, I'll go live it out and people will see it. But he never engaged anybody in a conversation about their relationship with Christ and the difference between choosing to accept him or reject him. And then one day at work, one of his coworkers came in and he was really excited and he said, uh, he said, uh, hey man, he said, I, I, I just, I want to tell you something. He said, he could tell he was, he said, what do you want to tell me? He said, man, I just want to tell you, I went to church this past week. And the guy said, man, that's, that's great. That's exciting. And he said, well, uh, he said, yeah. And he said, and he said, well, why did you go? He said, well, I went because I, my sister was getting baptized. And he said, well, that's awesome. He said, man, I want you to know that while I was there, man, I, the, the pastor that was there talked about heaven and hell, and he talked about a relationship with Jesus and how much God loved me and that, you know, I needed to confess my sins and that Jesus died on a cross for me and, and that he gave his life for me and that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he gave it what was called an invitation. You know what an invitation is? And he said, yeah, man, I know exactly what an invitation. And he said, he gave an invitation. He said, man, at that time, I walked down an aisle and I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, man, that's awesome. That's great. And he said, man, do you believe that stuff? He said, I know you've been a believer. He said, but do you really believe that stuff, that that stuff is true? And he said, absolutely. He said, do you believe that those people that reject Christ are never here, the, the gospel, and, 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 and they never make a decision that they're eternally separated from God? And he said, yes, man, I believe that with all my heart. And the guy began to stand. He stood there and he started to weep. And he cried and he said, if you, if you so much believe that, he said, why haven't you ever said anything? Why haven't you ever told me about Jesus? Life on earth isn't forever. But at some point, every one of us are going to take our last breath. You never know when that is. I was getting a picture yesterday with my brother and my dad. My brother says something. Why we say some of the things? I have no earthly idea. He said, hey, let's get a picture with dad. You never know when it might be the last time we get a picture. I said, well, it may be you. <laughs> and he said, it may be you. And, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we never know when that last day will be, do we? We never know. Death always seems to come as a, an invited guest. There's one thing that none of you that are here today that are listening to my voice will never be able to say. Is that Pastor Sid never told us about the gospel. 
You'll never be able to say that. People listening online today will never be able to say. You'll never be able to say that because the Bible teaches us that God's that God so much loved us that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. The Bible talks to us about a difference between heaven and hell. The Bible talks to us about the difference between receiving Christ, accepting him, or choosing to reject him. The Bible talks to us about the fact that Jesus came to this earth and gave his life as a sacrifice for our sin so that we could be freed from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. The Bible teaches us that God became the Lamb of God, the sacrificed, um, the, the Lamb of God who was sacrificed once and for all for our sins. The Bible teaches us that if we will humble ourselves and that we'll confess our sins and believe that Jesus gave his life for us and we choose to not only confess our sins but commit our life to him, the Bible says that we'll be saved. But if we refuse, the baker's message applies to us eternally separated. A message that's hard to hear, but it's truth. I think about Joseph bringing the message to the cupbearer, the excitement. Just three days, buddy. Hang on. It's coming. You can make it. But as he prepares to speak to the baker, I can imagine the tears of this man who is compassionate and he cares saying, look, buddy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. How many of us are willing to speak about the goodness of God and his love, yet we refuse to speak up about God's wrath? Yet both are true and a message that must be spoken. The narrative finishes up in verse 20 and following. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. And he prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position. So he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled this chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he, interrupted, when he interpreted his dreams. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So on the third day, just as Joseph had interpreted. There was a birthday party for Pharaoh. Both of these men received an invitation. Both of these men were invited to attend. But the end result was not the same. Not the same at all. But everything happened just as Joseph had interpreted it. It took three days for Joseph to be recognized as a true messenger of God. 2,000 years ago, Jesus would come to this earth in the flesh. He would enter into this world. He would share in our condition. He lived out and he spoke God's message to us. And then his message was proved true three days after he was crucified, placed in a tomb when Jesus was rose, when he rose from the grave. See, what Joseph shows us is he shows us Jesus and the message is either one of life or a message of death. Where the message of Jesus is trusted and accepted, it brings life and joy and fullness. But when the message is rejected, it brings death. And there's a contrast. There's a contrast between the message of hope that Joseph gave to the innocent man 
because there is no hope for the one who rejects the good news. One of the last phrases it reads in verse 23, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And so we end up today exactly where we ended up last week. Here's Joseph, still in prison, and again forgotten. And as discouraging as those words may seem, what we need to be reminded of is the fact that God had not forgotten Joseph, but God was at work behind the scenes accomplishing his plan. Would you bow your heads with me today? Before we finish up today, I, I have to ask you a question. I'd like for the lights to be up in here so I can see this morning, if I could, please. There's just a question that I have to be able to ask you. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know today, if you were to die today, where you would spend eternity? And would that be in heaven? If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your all, of your, of your life? Why in the world would you, would you continue to put off making that decision, which is so vital and so important? Right there where you're seated at this morning, you have the ability, if, if up until this time you have refused the message of Christ, right there where you are today, you have the ability to cry out to God and to ask Him for forgiveness, to tell Him that you believe, to confess your sins, and to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And you say, well, Sid, how do I do that? One of the ways to do that is to pray, just to pray in the, in the quietness of your heart, something along this line. Jesus, I'm a sinner. <laughs> Man, have I blown it. But Jesus, I believe that you came to earth I believe that you died on a cross and I want to confess my sin. I want to repent. I want to turn to you. And I want to commit my life to you today. Jesus, save me right now. With heads bowed and eyes still closed, in just a second, we're going to sing a closing song this morning. It's an invitational song. And we have some of our adults that are here that, that are willing. They're going to come and they're going to stand here in the, in the front. These are some of our leaders that are, that are willing to talk with you, to pray with you, to, to give uh, counsel to you. Uh, men and women that have a relationship with Jesus that would love to talk to you if, if this is you today. And during this invitational song, we're going to be standing but if you're here today and this decision to follow Jesus is one that, that you are saying that you want to commit your life to, today what I'm going to ask you to do is when we stand, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to come and would you be willing to talk to one of these that are standing here to tell them about this decision that you want to make to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here today and, and you've made a decision to follow Christ, but you've never been baptized. And today, maybe it was, it was Brandon or, or, um, or Addie or, or, um, and you've seen them be baptized and it's just been on your heart. And today you may say, I, I need to follow through with believer's baptism. You come this morning. We would love to talk to you about that. Or maybe you're here today and there's just something that's weighing deep down in your heart 
Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a work issue. Maybe it's a personal issue and you're here today and you just need to come and kneel and pray or you, be, you feel free to come. But I'm going to pray with you and after that we're going to stand and then we're going to sing this song together as Brian leads us in this invitation song. Jesus, I thank you today for the message of hope that we have in Christ. For those that may be here today that for the first time in their life they've chosen to cry out to you to say, Jesus, save me. Lord, I pray that as we sing this song today that there would be responses. There would be people that would respond and that would say yes to you. Thank you for the privilege we have of of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope that it brings. Bless us now as we prepare for this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning?
Father, we're blessed to be in this place to gather. And Jesus, it's very important that we heed, we heed the word. And Jesus, I pray today that as we walk out of this place, there would be no, no questions about where we stand in reference to eternity in our relationship with you. Fathers, we walk out these doors where your instruments of peace help us not to be like Larry that just went to work and never talked about Jesus, that just wore Christian t-shirts and played Christian music. Help us to engage people in the gospel conversations because people are looking for hope. Thank you for this place. Thank you for our, our church family. God, would you continue to protect us? Watch after us. May we be your ambassadors on the forefront, on the lines of this battle that enwages. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.